0: Tonight, as I was sitting thinking one of my favorite Sufi poems from Hafez, the Persian ecstatic poet. He in his poem he says, uh, How did the rose ever open its heart and give to this world all its beauty? It felt the encouragement of light against its being. Otherwise, we all remain too frightened. How did the rose ever open its heart and give to this world all its beauty? It felt the encouragement of light against its being. So I was, as I often do, And as all human beings do, one thought follows to another thought. And the the beauty of, of mindfulness is that you can actually notice how the sequence of thoughts unfold. And that thought led me to think about roses. Of course, the rose requires a little bit more sun. It requires, in fact, in the hillside that I live on, the roses won't grow because there's too, there's too much fog and not enough direct sun. And so, so the conditions for a rose to open its heart, for any of us to open our hearts, is we have to come out of the, the clouds. We have to shine the bright light of awareness on ourselves otherwise we remain kind of shrouded we remain in a within a very narrow view caught in our internal world and don't realize fail to realize that that when the when we are when all parts of ourselves are brought into the the light of attention, uh, our hearts shine. Our we share our love. We we are just more of ourselves, and then we so naturally can share our beauty and give to this world uh, the best of ourselves. And like a like a rose, we are especially in the in the times when we are um, preoccupied, in the times we are stressed out, the times we are caught on the, in the little narrow narrow band of, of our ideas and our identities, the thoughts about ourselves and the thoughts about the world, which is really uh, a common theme in many people's hearts and minds right now when we're caught in knowing and having things figured out or even trying to figure everything out. Any of you ever get caught in that? <laughs> Just thinking that there's a me in there that's got to figure it out and got to figure out how I can contribute. So many people are contemplating right now with the present uh, election and the aftermath and the, the fear and the the... the heart's desire to protect ourselves and protect other people, what to do. And so there's a tendency to become really preoccupied, really caught. And at the center of that preoccupation is is me. And it seems somehow it's all about me and how how I'm dealing with it. And so it's all the more important that we, we let ourselves experience the, the light of attention so that we can actually notice the chains of associations that our mind is, how our mind is unfolding. I, I hope they're not giving the, the neighbors here too hard a time, maybe they're. We do have. I'm sure you haven't. You've noticed that we have a little bit of an encampment here, and kind of been concerned about the residents here. Anyway, when we when we open up our eyes to what's happening, keep our hearts open. What you what I really discover, what any of us discovers, is we don't know. We don't know. We actually don't know exactly what to do. But what's that? We could go out and save them. I didn't mean that in particular. That too. Noemi says we can go out and save them. Yeah. That too. I'm trying to relate this a little bit to our our meditation practice and to our and to our, um, our life in general. So as as children we were taught what to do. We were taught the 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 do's and the don'ts we were we were conditioned by our parents and our teachers and our culture <coughs> our religions our our friends, uh, everything was informing us about how you live this life. How, how do you do this? What do you do? And as we entered adulthood, so that, that was the, the family of origin, community, conditioning that all of us were raised in. And then we came upon the, the, the Dharma, the Buddha Dharma in this case, and maybe many of you have done opened up to many different traditions. And so we were all trying to do it right as in whatever way we were conditioned. So much of our conditioning, so much of our experience as individuals is just the fruit of what we were conditioned, how we were conditioned. Completely innocent. And all of us tried to get it right, to do it right. And because so much of what we were given as kids were, was misinformation, as well-intentioned as it was, about what makes us happy and um, what's important in life, I, I constantly think about the inverse relationship between what people are paid and the value of their work. You know, that's just one little example. We live in backwards world in some way. So we all grew up into this conditioned world where one's valued by by doing, by busyness, by keeping your life moving. Not a lot of value to stopping and keeping quiet and looking within. Valued for being, as often said, a human doing instead of a human being. A human busy. And so many people have commented on this. But we're all conditioned in this way. And our conditioning has brought us a certain kind of pain of seeking. Those things that we were told would make us happy. And all that seeking of those things that will make us happy tend to keep conditioning our mind to be narrow, to be um, shrouded, shrouded at least in the case of, of seeking, shrouded in, a, in the mental formations about uh, becoming, about time, about what's next, about, about the the well-being that I'm searching for is is to be sought after and found at some other time so then you realize that that's that's just a cause of so much stress so much that state of becoming has exhausted us has made us tense made us chronically as a people chronically dissatisfied and slightly oblivious to what's going on around us, to our neighbors, to what's actually right in front of our nose, our simple experience, just being able to see, hear, smell, taste. We talk about it every week, about... Is there anything more wondrous than our own senses? Are just the fact that we can have this conversation right now? The fact that we have that we're here and can feel at least for a, a time in the world that we can actually feel momentarily safe? And for a time I think of the the uh, half the the uh, Derek Walcott isn't no the Wendell Berry poem where he says, "Come into the peace of wild things," you know, "come back to nature," "come into the peace of wild things," who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. Come into the presence of still water. And something about where the beauty re- come to the. I, anyway, I forget the rest of it. Come into the presence of still water, and, and tune into the the stars waiting with their light. Uh, for a time, I rest in the in the peace of the world, and I'm free. So, just the fact that we can, in the middle of all that, find a, a little peace. Easily missed. So the Dharma, the people come to the Dharma and go, yeah, that sounds really good. And we start to we start with that kind of bright faith that that um, that maybe it's possible to 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 relax and be open and be relieved of this the stress of seeking. But then you hear these teachings, the elaboration on the teachings, and they say, seek enlightenment. Purify your, your actions, purify your mind, purify your view. The Noble Eightfold Path. And if, unless someone listens really carefully to these teachings very easy for the teachings to get co-opted by that old feeling that I need to seek, to find. I need to get busy. I need to work hard. I need to become. And then the very path that leads us to the natural primordial wakefulness to Vija, to our natural intelligence becomes a narrow path of stress, becomes another stressed out seeker. Measuring our experience through the lens of Buddha Dharma and somehow not coming out all right. Somehow I'm not pure enough, I'm not quiet enough, I'm not open-hearted enough, I'm not compassionate enough, I'm not mindful enough. Let's see, any others you get caught in? I'm not serving enough, I'm not a great enough bodhisattva, and somewhere in the span of practice you look a little closer at the teachings. You hear someone like Padma Sambhava says, meditation is not a means of enlightenment or a path to enlightenment, it's enlightenment itself. Or the nun, Neguma, who says, don't do anything whatsoever with the mind. Abide in an authentic natural state. Our own mind, unwavering, is reality. The key is to meditate like this without wavering. Which means don't go anywhere. Don't do anything with your mind. Don't seek with your mind. Just wake up to where you are. Experience the great reality beyond extremes. In a pellucid ocean, bubbles rise and dissolve again just so. Thoughts are no different from ultimate reality. So don't find fault. Remain at ease. Whatever arises, whatever occurs, don't grasp. Release it on the spot. Appearances, sound, and objects are one's own mind. There's nothing except mind. Mind is beyond the extremes of birth and death. The nature of mind awareness although using the objects of the five senses does not wander from reality. In the state of equilibrium, there's nothing to abandon or practice. No meditation or post-meditation. Just this. So this reminds me a lot of the, the teachings of the Korean Zen tradition that essentially remind us that the that the point of our, that the, in some ways, the aim of our practice is to come to, is to in some ways remain, as she says, but come to a place of of not knowing. A place of what they they call don't know mind. The the first instruction that's often given in a Zen monastery is clear mind, clear mind, don't know, don't know. Keep don't know mind. I had a teacher who a Korean Zen master who who kept saying it over and over don't don't know don't know I hit you don't know don't know who are you you think you you think you know you don't know keep don't know mind don't know don't know I think the reason I'm talking about this all tonight is the is the naturalness of each of our nature when we're in a, just a state of don't know is this is where we this is where the the rose can shine this is where we share our just our natural human goodness when we're open not caught in being a good Buddhist I always say the Buddha was not a Buddhist The Buddha wasn't into the religion of Buddhism. There was no religion of Buddhism. The Buddha was awake. The Buddha was in don't know. And it was at least my sense is that it was that complete openness, simplicity that allowed the intuition, the clarity of perception to to realize reality. And, it, and if you look at the teachings, it wasn't until his mind was exhausted with seeking, with trying to be a, trying to get out, trying to get somewhere, where it expressed in his ascetic practices of starving himself, doing all kinds of self-mortification. Was when he realized that the natural comfort of taking in the senses and eating food. Not making a religion out of eating or satisfying the senses, but enough to come back to the natural openness of, you could say, of don't know mind. Clear mind, clear mind, don't know, don't know. I had a a uh, one of these don't know experiences this weekend, a few different experiences this, this last week that really two very different experiences that really kind of brought me back to my senses of don't know. Well, I'll tell you that I'll tell you the one that I thought of first. I was leading a retreat in, uh, in Vancouver, British Columbia, where I go every year. I've been going there now for about 25 years and love going there. But this time, for the first time, I did a book signing. You may not find this interesting, but it, it left me kind of strange. So I knew that in advance that this bookstore... That had arranged everything, had bought a certain number of books to provide for both the, the book signing and the retreat that I was about to do. and by the end of the book signing, which you know was fun and different interesting cast of characters showed up, by the end of the, the book signing, um, all but all but uh, eight or nine books were left before I even started a retreat with one hundred and thirty people, so there was no there really weren 't any books for the retreat but the the bookstore, because they had been carrying the book up to this point, they went looking in their cabinets and in their clo- their closets and their cabinets for more books and so as i 'm sitting there after having signed the last book that somebody that wanted it, and most everyone had left. They bring out a book, a box of four or five books, and I opened the books to sign them for the last person that was there who had bought a bunch of them, and my name was written inside the book. My name was already signed in the book. I picked up another one. My name was already signed in the book. I had not been to Vancouver since this book came out. And I went back to the store in San Francisco where I've signed many books. And they say, we never send books back. All your books are sold. We just bought some more just now. We Look over here. There's books we've had here for five years. We don't, we don't have an, a way of sending books back. So I knew they didn't send them. I had no idea there was anything that my mind made up any explanation there is no there there there's just no so there's these don't know mind it i was just stunned into not being able to rely on buddhism or or my childhood or any conditioning don't know don't know I'm curious if anybody has an explanation (laughs) it's just and it was it was one of those it was the signature that I just have no idea so then I went through the the weekend and just a a little back uh, another story about about one of the people at the this is the one of the people at the book signing, someone I knew, bought 25 books. Just a, a person who's an embodiment of generosity and kindness. A really lovely who just had the thought of uh, in the world that she's in right now, she's very much immersed in the kundalini yoga world and she's doing a lot of training. And she wanted to give it to all the people who she's sharing this training with, which is a very sweet thing. And just tuning into her, she wasn't busy being a good Buddhist, being generous, or being, it's just, just her nature. It's just her, just what she did. And then the reason I thought of that is because my, the other story of this last week On last Wednesday afternoon, just before I had to travel up to Canada, I was driving along the freeway in Mill Valley, California, just on my way south toward the city, and my right passenger tire blew out. Big hole in the side of it. And all of a sudden, I'm down on a rim, zooming along the freeway, and right then and there i see the exit slide off the exit slide alongside this uh, the the goodman lumber supply place alongside the freeway just sitting there and i decide to, fortunately i have aaa called aaa and then this guy walks right up to me beautiful Guy, just he's on his break from either the gas station or the the lumber yard, and he says, uh, "You need some help." And I said, "Sure." I you know I hadn't I hadn't really dealt with this car before with the with a blown out tire, and so this guy comes in and he just goes right to work helping me, and he gives this full this you know just such a beautiful gesture. And he pretty much does the whole job for me. And I, you know, I helped him a little bit, but he pretty much did it. And I, I tried to give him some money. And he wouldn't take any. And I said, I will not forget this. You must, you must have been raised really well. And he says, well, my grandmother told me, if anybody needs help, whether you have to be somewhere or not, you help them. I got this amazing transmission. There's nothing Buddhist about it. It was just the goodwill that is that if we're just prodded a little bit, it's in there. It's so, and it, it, in both cases, it's just our nature. And so to me, the, the Buddha just... It was pointing everybody back to their nature. He didn't want people to be identified with being a Brahmin, or as they call it in those days, they call it the Untouchables. And he made everybody give up their identities when they came into the sangha if they wanted to ordain. He said, drop all the artifice, drop even the idea of being a Buddhist. But follow the Dharma, the way of the unfolding of things. Don't know mind. Brush the dust of memory. Clear your perception, and see you don't know. Don't. And so we're you know I, I say this partly now because we're many of us are making all kinds of conclusions as though we know how things will unfold in this next four years. And, you know, it doesn't, from a certain vantage point, it doesn't look, it looks frightening, terrifying, upsetting. er But just like that old story that's often shared about, you know, fortunate, unfortunate, you just don't know, Where the the guy gets you know has a horse and it runs off or a cow or and then it comes back with another one the sun and he when the horse goes away he says oh how unfortunate comes back with two how fortunate sun gets on the horse riding the horse and he falls off the horse how unfortunate then they the army comes and they they want to draft the son and he doesn't have to go how fortunate and like this it goes on and on in our life what looks one way it may not be that way we don't know so keep don't know mind there's so much wonder right here we don't want to lose that sense of wonder and to me that's to me that's what the dharma is i go to the buddha for refuge i'm awake I go to the Dharma for refuge. And then I go to the Sangha. I go to those who who remind me that I don't know. I can't figure out how that book got signed. I don't know what will happen next week, next year. I don't know what will happen when I leave here. One night, many years ago, when the group was still on Dolores Street, I was leaving, driving down Dolores Street on my way home, turned right onto Mission, onto uh, Market Street, just driving along, normal speed limit, and all of a sudden I get hit from... I found out later a a car going about 60 miles per hour. I was stopped at a traffic light. And, you know, obviously, Quite shook up. Very lucky that I was still functioning, but somebody came to the window and said, Are you okay? And before I even said okay, my first thought was, You just never know. You just don't know. That was my first thought. Any turn of the dime. So I think our Practice can, can be very doesn't have to have that strain of trying to get somewhere. It can be a, a kind of openness, kind of don't know, and the willingness to to be uncertain. I know the 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 effort to uh, ascribe meaning to situations and to figure out why this is happening I think it's part of our love love of truth and love of figuring out but sometimes we just don't know I don't know how, how I came to be here you came to be here but we're here I don't know if any of this made sense but keep don't know mind because it's all just it's all unfolding you know I could have even I could in terms of Dharma I could have said wow I, I, my wholesome karma brought me this this, um, this bodhisattva to fix my tire and it was really my good karma that that this happened and. You know, life is wonderful. And then I see this, this person who's not just not a Buddhist, he's a Buddha. Just, just an incredible. So we don't need to spiritualize it, we just need to be here for the experience. And keep don't know mind. So remember the from, I think it was Ajahn Chah who said in the mind of the beginner there are many possibilities. In the mind of the expert there are few. So that's Suzuki Roshi, keep beginner's mind. It's the same thing, keep don't know mind. So let's just hang out a for a few moments before we go home, and don't know mind. And just see what is. Just feel the light of attention within and without space around us, don't know, pure awareness. How did the rose ever open its heart and give to this world all its beauty? It felt the encouragement of light against its being. Otherwise, we all remain too frightened. Just the light of don't know. Nothing to defend. nothing to become and no one becoming things just as they are Anyway, thanks for wandering with me in my, my world of don't know. And I so appreciate your practice and your generosity and just the, just the wheel that keeps allowing us to, to meet here and, and try to remember ourselves and try not to cause ourselves or anyone harm. Anyway, I'm so appreciative and thanks for your practice and hope to see you on Saturday at Spirit Rock, 9.30 to 4.30, and more the merrier, and and here next Tuesday. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.